Hello and welcome back to our series called In the Beginning God. We've been looking at foundational truths about God and His kingdom. And so I welcome Pastor Chris Berg back with me this morning. Thank you for being here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you. It's a joy to be together and to seek to share God's truths. So we've been looking at how this all started, the earth. We've covered that God wasn't started. He's always been and will forever be, as you put it. He is eternal. So what about people? What about man? When or how were we created? Yeah, we're not, we're not God, therefore we have a beginning. And as we've mentioned, God is the source of all life. And so God created a perfect universe, and part of that, he began to center his focus on earth. When we look at the creation days, we see it all-encompassing and getting narrower in its focus, and God created a perfect habitat for creating mankind. And he did it in a way that is distinct Mankind is distinct from the rest of creation because he said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. So mankind is different than anything else in creation because we're created in the image and likeness of God. So what does that mean when we say the image and likeness of God? I know that we don't have pictures of God. I know from the song in the garden we know god's name because it says and he walks and andy talks with me (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) we don't know what god looks like god is spirit so what does it mean for you or i or any person to be made in the image of god there's a few things that it means first of all what it doesn't mean is it doesn't mean we are exactly like god or that adam when he was created, was exactly like God. To be created in the image of God means that there are some things that are true about God that are true about mankind, because God determined to create man in that way. It's important to recognize that it wasn't that Adam was just like God and then sin messed that up. God's creation is never equal with the Creator. But what it does mean is that God has an intellect, And he created mankind with the ability to think, to use intellect. God has emotion and feeling. And he created mankind with the ability to emote, to have emotions, and to be able to feel like God feels. God created mankind with a will. But the thing that I think is most important in being created in the image of God is that God has, as you mentioned, God is is spirit. And he breathed his breath into the nostril of Adam. And so mankind has a soul and a spirit, something that it's God's breath. The most important part of being created in the image of God is that God breathed himself into mankind. And, and I think the Bible suggests pretty strongly that's the soul or spirit of mankind. What would you say distinguishes man from the animal kingdom? Both were created by God. We were created in his image, but how does that manifest itself by way of differentiating between animals and people? Animals tend to act like animals. And what I mean by that is growing up, I had a golden retriever. 
wonderful dogs, loyal like you wouldn't believe. And a lot of times I'd watch her and I'd think to myself, I wonder what she's thinking. She wasn't thinking. She's a dog. There's just basic things. Dogs react a certain way. What I discovered as I met other golden retrievers, they all pretty much act the same. There's a few quirks that are different, but they kind of react the same way. And it's not that they do that because they've thought through an issue and have decided on a course of action. They're just responding to their nature. Whereas for people, we really do have choices. And, and that's, I think, what really separates us from the animal kingdom. Your point is that there is a limit. And one of the main limits is the area of choice, that they don't have the choice and we have that ability. So that's a good distinction. Would this analogy apply at all? I was thinking as you were speaking about how the creator was more than the creation, and I was thinking about a really good house builder. I grew up in the country, and there were some amazing men who built houses. I think it would be true to say that even the finest house they built what was built was not as amazing as the one who built it because that person could build another one bigger or better or different in whatever way he or she might choose. Does that work in helping us understand how the creator is greater than the creation? I've used the analogy of, of an artist in a painting. We can look at a painting and appreciate it find its beauty or find its purpose, it's moving. But it sure would be weird to compliment the painting, right? This painting did a really good job. The painting didn't do a good job. Who did a good job? The painter. And so we can be impressed with creation. We can be awed by it. But the credit should go to the creator, recognizing that the creator is greater than the thing created, just like the artist should get the credit for the artwork. We don't compliment the artwork. The recognition, the glory goes to the artist. And God is an amazing artist mm. when he put this all together. Artist, engineer, we probably could come up with a few other descriptions for the creation, but the glory goes to God. Am I correct in understanding from Scripture that we see that our real purpose for being here is to be in a relationship with God, and it's been expressed in various ways. One is that we are to glorify or honor God and enjoy that fellowship forever. Is that your understanding also? Yeah. The glory of God is the chief end of mankind, to glorify God and, as you said, enjoy Him forever. So in terms of that relationship are we able to enjoy that relationship on our own? When God first created Adam, they had perfect fellowship. It was God God walked in the garden and had fellowship with Adam. Now again, God is spirit, and I think that's just the Bible putting it into words that would help us understand the idea of walking. Because God's presence isn't limited. He's everywhere present. He fills his creation. But in a special way, he had fellowship with Adam. We are talking about God's interaction with Adam and Eve. There came a time when there was a problem with that interaction. Could you help us to understand that? Yeah. There, there was a probably the 
one of two major events in the history of the world. And we've had a lot of events in the history of the world, but I would say that there were two events that completely changed the world. And one is Adam and Eve's disobedience to God. God had told Adam, you can eat freely of any tree in the garden, but there's one tree from which you cannot eat of. I'm forbidding it. And should you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And the tree was the knowledge of good and evil. And so God made that very clear. We can eat from anything, but don't eat from this tree because the result will be death. And they hadn't experienced death. They had no idea what death was. God created people to live, not to die. And in God's creation, there was no death. They didn't see dead trees, dead plants, dead animals. There was just life because God created a perfect world. And the day came where Adam and Eve ate from that tree because Eve was deceived by the serpent. And that went from God's perfect creation to now sinful mankind. Everything changed in that moment. So that's one of the two moments that changed the world forever, as you said earlier. It's not how many likes somebody got on their Facebook page or the outcome of an election. Close. Yeah. Yeah. And what about how we now have that fellowship since sin entering? How do we regain our fellowship with God? That would be the second event. The Bible says that for by one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, by one man comes life. And that is the man, Jesus Christ, who is also the Son of God, Jesus Christ, being completely man and completely God. He came and lived that perfect life so that he could be a sacrifice for sin because sin brings death. And Jesus took sin upon himself when he died on the cross as that sinless son of God, sinless son of man. We have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very exclusive. And a lot of Christianity today, unfortunately, says that can't be true. There's got to be more than one way. Then I guess Jesus is a liar, if that's the case. And a bit of a fool, because if there was another way, why would he allow himself to be crucified and murdered in the most horrible, painful way possible? If there was any other way, would Jesus have done that? Jesus did it because he is the only way. And that's how we have fellowship now with the fathers through Jesus Christ. I really appreciate you bringing that out. And I guess I'm going down another side trail for just a moment. But it brings to our mind the clear thought and knowledge that there are not many truths, but there is one truth. Right. This whole vital approach of you've got your truth and I've got my truth is not founded on truth. It's founded on a lie that man created him and herself rather than God. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And then God declared in his word, he so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Did he mention some other things you could believe in as an alternative way? No, he did not. Just the one. 
And as you just said, I think that's in John 14, maybe about verse 6 or so, that says there is no other way. There's no other name. I think that's in Acts. No other name given by which we may be saved but Jesus the name Christ of Jesus. It. Yeah, Jesus Christ is it. Yeah, this. I'm going to join you on your rabbit trail a little bit. The, the idea, and I remember hearing this in school, that there are no absolute truths. And I didn't come up with this. I would give credit to who, whoever it was that did come up with it, but I don't know the name of who came up with it. But when someone says there are no absolute truths, you respond by saying, is that absolutely true? I've heard that too, Chris, and that's a really good... There's no good answer for that. <laughs> yeah, there's no good answer for that. Everywhere you go from there leads you to a problem. Yeah. So if I guess if we tried to look back over our brief time together this morning, we would see that God created all things and all the people who have ever existed, that we didn't do what God said, and so we became separated from God by our sin, and that kept us separated until the second greatest event, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. As you said, by one man sin entered, so by one man do we have life. Life is found only in Jesus. That's correct. Yeah. By grace alone, through faith alone, in, in Jesus alone. alone. That's correct. Amen. Thank you so much. We will pick back up there next time. How is it that we are supposed to live this life and maybe look at the Word of God? That sounds great. I'd also think it might be beneficial to take a closer look at what did it, how did Adam and Eve get deceived? What led to their problem? Because it's the same issues that we have today. Okay, let's take that suggestion and we'll pick back up there. How did this fall take place? Sounds great. Okay, thank you, Chris.